Hello, everyone. We are back with the second part of our two-part series with Sebastian High of Dauber Prospects. We have so much more inside today's show. We're going to be talking Slavkovsky, Meshar, and the young core of the Montreal Canadiens defense all inside today's show. For Locked On Canadiens, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 670 of Lockdown Canadians. As always, thank you for making us your first listen. If you're listening to this wherever you get your podcast or your first watch, if you are watching us on YouTube right now, I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Metla. Of course, you know my phenomenal co-host, the active stick, Laura Saba. And we are joined again by a very special guest uh, who is currently traveling Europe because I wish I was traveling Europe. Sebastian High of Dauber <laughs> Prospects joins us for today's show. Sebastian, we had you on for Monday's show. Uh, we're going to dive right into it. And my first question is, the Habs picked Yuri Slavkovsky at first overall to the shock and delight. I still can't put quite a, a label on that at the Bell Center. What can we reasonably expect from him this season? If he stays at the NHL, I have another question to follow that up, but if he is staying at the NHL all this year, which is a realistic possibility, what can we expect from him based on what his game is all about? I think the the first thing I want to mention with Slavkovsky that I think is really funny is um, I'm sure you guys have seen like the, the hockey prospecting models that have, have him at like a, 3% 3% NHL or 2% star or something along those lines. I think that Slavkovsky is going to be a tremendous like play driving winger, putting up really, really good metrics. And I'm really looking forward to just seeing the shift of just like the analytics crowd from the model having him at like 7% NHL to him being like an 80th percentile player within the first three years of him being an NHL because he just has all the, like, he, I just really think he's going to be a, a good play driver. Uh, and I'm looking forward to that, the, the shift in that narrative. But uh, I think Slavkovsky, if he, if he stays in the NHL all season, which we'll get into that later, um, I, I think I think he's going to tread water. I, I don't think he's going to be a Calder candidate. Uh, but treading water for a first overall pick in their first season, at this point, with the, I mean, look look at the last couple of years with, with first overall picks, right? Like it hasn't been since Austin Matthews where you've seen a first overall pick genuinely tear up the league in his first season. And uh, I, I don't think Slavkovsky is going to break that trend. I think Connor Bedard is going to break that trend, but I don't think Slavkovsky will. And I guess my expectation for him this season would be playing around 13 minutes a night, getting a decent amount of power play time, maybe putting up, 12 goals and 35 points. So uh, that would be my my expectation. I think people are going to be surprised with his playmaking skill being more of a standout than the goal scoring uh, because the the seven goals, zero assist Olympic performance, I think has a lot of people envisioning him as like a pure sniper or like power forward goal scorer. When I actually think that his one-touch playmaking game is one of his best offensive toolkits and that he's a better playmaker than a goal scorer as he's currently constructed. 
the Habs might want to develop him into that, that power forward goal scorer. So that, that, that can definitely change with time. Uh, but I think for his first season, he's going to do decently well. I think he's going to put up better metrics than his line mates if he's playing in a bottom six role. Uh, so if he's paired with, I don't know, um, Jake Evans or, or yeah, say Dvorak and Mike Hoffman and, and Slavkovsky. If, that, if that's the line... Oh, yeah, exactly. I think Slavkovsky is the one that, 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 that will be driving play better than the two others. And uh, which is already a good thing because those are two established NHL players. And as iffy as that line might sound, which it does, it just objectively would not be a great line. But I do think that that Slavkovsky would, would, would be the one sticking out above, above the others in terms of, of driving play and just not hurting the team. I think, I think this season, the Habs, it's not about who's who's driving the bus it's who's not bringing the bus down right this is this is not going to be a good team uh but i think Slavkovsky is going to do decently well if he does stay in the nhl but i don't think that's the strategy that the, necessarily that the strategy that will be the wisest uh i would very much like to see him in the ahl for at least half the season because look we've, we've seen the habs rush their players for the last what two decades right like just just give give your high-end prospects an opportunity to dominate, right? Just just give them the time. You don't see prospects being overdeveloped in the AHL. It just doesn't happen. But you see a lot of players being rushed to the NHL before they're ready for it. And I think Slavkovsky could be a really fun player in, in the AHL with, like, say on a first line with, like, Jesse Alonen and then centered by a guy like Mitchell Stevens who they just signed in free agency. That could be a very fun top line in Laval. And... Um, I'd like to see him just put up the points in, in Laval and just show the skill because he has skill for sure. Uh, and But yeah, if he's in Montreal, I think he does decently well, but doesn't shoot the light, lights out at all. I, I think that's the challenge as well. Sorry, Scott. I, no, I keep interrupting ahead. you. I'm just, <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about this though. Um, that's, I think that's a challenge for most Montreal Canadiens fans is that they think the idea of him as a first overall pick means that he needs to join the team and he needs to show that he's amazing, right? He needs to do that right off the bat. But I think there's nothing wrong with delaying that if they know that at the end it's going to be to his advantage, right? I want to see the maximum potential out of this player because he is exciting. And some people have put his ceiling as so high that you can't help but get giddy about it. But that's something where, you know, like that only happens if everything hits, right? Like development, luck with injuries, the player's effort, the player's actual talent, and it wasn't just a flash in the pan. All those things come together. So I personally would love to see them sort of go slow with him. I do worry, though, because we have seen in the past where something's not working, they pull up their high-end prospect and plug him into the NHL lineup in the hopes of generating some spark. And then it kind of either messes up their development or derails it. Like in the case of Cole Caulfield, he did manage to bring his game back under Martin Saint-Louis, but I was quite worried for a while there. Uh, I thought that they brought him up as a stopgap solution and then he excelled in the playoffs and then they were just kind of like, uh, okay, he's an NHLer now and then made him miserable <laughs> for half a season, right? So I think, I, like, for me, I really, really want to see them take the time. And everything that we've learned from these halves is that they're going to be transparent about it, right? If you see them in the AHL for half a season, they're going to come out and they're going to tell people, temper your expectations, we're trying to get the most out of this player. I feel like this is something that the old uh, the old front office would not have done. And I just, I, I, I really hope that they understand and take the path that, it's not about the butts in the seats. It's more about this player's 
long-term potential. And I'm glad that we mentioned the AHL and maybe just not being right in the NHL off the start. That's a realistic possibility. And at the same time, like you said, the Canadians are not likely to be very good. And I don't think a lot of people are projecting Slavkovsky to be a, a, you know, a Calder level player. If he was fantastic, that's found money. I feel like for what it's worth and for, to get out ahead of this, I think Maddie Beneers is currently my Calder leader going into this season but it kind of shifts our focus to the other Slovak player that the Canadians drafted uh, at the end of the first round. And coming up in our next segment, we're talking a little bit about Philip Mayshar, where it's not quite as clear where they're going to go with him quite yet, but we have so much more on that. We're going to ask Sebastian for his opinions on that. And as Mayshar is a player, and that's all coming up next. But first, our partner today is Athletic Greens. And Athletic Greens is great because it helps give you better gut health, more energy, helps optimize your immune system every morning without all the pills and supplements and everything else. It's just one little easy-to-take thing every single morning. And it's lifestyle-friendly, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free. It has what you are looking for. And everyone should be taking a multivitamin. And Athletic Greens is a small, easy-to-digest one that gives you everything, including vitamin D. And if you order athletic Greens, you're going to get a year supply of vitamin D, which is great is even though the sun is out now, winter is not that far on the corner. You're going to need that sunlight. And it has over 7,000 five-star reviews recommended by professional athletes. And it's trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. So right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop of athletic greens in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills, supplements, anything like that. All you need is Athletic Greens to look out for your health. And to make it even easier, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. We are back. We are still talking new draft prospects, the Montreal Canadiens, expectations, potential, whatever you want to call it, with Sebastian High of Dauber Prospects. And now we're going to shift from your eyes, Lefkowski, to someone else that I was really excited about because I wrote their draft profile for Eyes on the Prize because they were intriguing to me. Philip Mayshar, who not only is a high-skill Slovakian forward, plays between center and wing uh, in the Slovak league or did last year. He's Yuri Slavkovsky's old childhood friend, and they are now playing on the same team together. We know a little bit about him. Can you kind of lay out what Philip Mayshar is about and what you think the next step is? Because apparently he's coming to North America, but we don't know where the Canadians are going to put him quite yet. And I have my thoughts on where you should go, but I am not a scouting expert. So I'm going to turn the floor over to you in that regard here. Philip Meshar is just a very, very fun player. And he has legitimate top six upside. Like I know some people were talking about him as like a third line guy or something like, look, possibly, but there's, there's at least second line upside there. In my view, he he is a highly skilled, high pace forward who I think is at his best playing at center. He himself said that he sees himself as a winger. That's going to be interesting to me to see where the Habs see him, right? Because that, that's one thing that we haven't 
seen yet in interviews is if the Habs think he's a center or a winger. Uh, but he is, look, it, it's also just going along with the, with the Habs drafting philosophy and overall team philosophy. They want speed, they want intelligence, and they want skill. Look, for instance, uh, Slavkovsky has those. Uh, Kirby Duck, the speed is questionable, but he's very t- intelligent and very skilled. Uh, Philip Meshar, maybe swap out the speed for agility, and you have Meshar right there. He's so intelligent, has a very high motor. Uh, he is has great hands. Uh, again, there's a lot of refinement left. Otherwise, he wouldn't. He he would have gone top ten or whatever, right? Like like any player that that you draft outside the top ten, top fifteen, needs a lot of refinement, right? But he is just an offensive dynamo when he's on his game. He will attack at, at high pace. Uh, he has the hands and the agility to get around, around defenders with impressive ease. What he does sometimes, and what he has to do a lot more often, is, is drive the net, uh, is going around the defenseman and driving the net. He's not a big guy, but he has decent puck protection mechanics, and when he drives the net, he makes some really, really good things happen, and it's just very entertaining to watch. And I'd like to see him do a bit more of that. He's defensively involved. Uh, he, um, other, other things, his, his shot's decent. Like he, he's going to be a playmaker, not a goal scorer. I think that, that that's very, very clear at this point. Uh, his playmaking ability is, is fairly high end. Uh, he's just a very, very skilled, very, very intelligent player. And that's a combo that is very understandable to see why the Habs would bet on, right? Like, yes, there's also the lovely storyline of him being Slavkovsky's oldest friend, and they went on holiday together this year, right? It's it's very wholesome. <laughs> but Meshar himself is just a, a really interesting swing for the Habs to take. And in terms of where he, I think he should play, I, I would stick him right in Kitchener, get, get him in the OHL. Uh, it's going to be AHL or OHL this season. I think there's also a chance he plays in the SHL, but I think it's more likely it's going to be North America. And if it is North America, look, I think that Jan Mishak is a real example as to why you might not want to rush your player, a young player with high skill coming from Europe and directly into the, the AHL. It was tough for Mishak in, his, in, in the COVID season in the AHL. He, he really struggled, and he hasn't bounced back from that year yet. Last season for him in the OHL, he went around a point a game, uh, he was outproduced by Nathan Steos, who was an undrafted defenseman. Uh, he's drafted now, but he was he was undrafted last season, and he he just he he really struggled in terms of of showing his skill. Like Young Mishak is a skilled player, but that that season in the AHL destroyed his confidence in his own ability. And look, it's a bit it's a bit different with with Meshar because he's had, I believe, at least a year and a half of pro hockey experience. In, in Slovakia, like that, that, that is something to note. But look, again, what I was saying with Slavkovsky as well is when in doubt, overdevelop your players instead of underdeveloping them, right? Stick them in the OHL, let them dominate, let them flash his skill. Because uh, these are also things like if he's flashing his skill against pro competition in Slovakia, I'm very excited to see what he does against OHL competition. Uh, it's going to be very entertaining and he's going to be able to really fine-tune the skill aspects of his game. Like, for instance, uh, as a puck rusher in transition uh, last season, he was very much a north-south player. He was not very often, uh, like, like weaving east and west, which made him a bit predictable. Against an OHL defense, it's a lot easier to learn the habit of going east and west because you have less restrictions. You have a lot more space to work with. Uh, even, even though the ice surface itself is smaller, the defenses are worse and less experienced. 
and he, he will be able to learn that kind of habit. Whereas in the AHL, if he has to adjust to both the smaller ice surface and having just a physically more constrained area to work with when he has the puck, that could be difficult. Uh, I'm not saying you do poorly in Laval. I just think that for his development, the OHL is the place where you can really foster his skill. And again, it'd be a different story if he were a hulking defensive defenseman. At that point, yeah, you want the, you want the, the pro experience in Laval, sure, right? Like Arbor Jack guy is going to do great in Laval this season. But I think that Philip Meshar, uh, just stick him in the OHL, give him maybe even two seasons there. Just let him dominate. And plus... Kishner has a very, very fun player in um, Francesco Pinelli. And if I see those two playing together, that's going to be a real blast. Uh, Pinelli is an incredibly intelligent centerman who I believe the Los Angeles Kings stole in the second round a year ago. Uh, so I think those two on a line together would be really, really fun. I, I'm glad that like that was my thought too, was that as much as I'd love to see him with the Rocket because he reminds me a little bit of Jesse alone and maybe not with the same polish coming from Slovakia. But at the same time, you don't the Habs don't need to rush anybody through anything at this point. They're not going to be good. The AHL team's been pretty well restocked with the mix of veterans and the younger guys who are there already. And... It's like you said, they might even have Slavkovsky put in there for a little bit of time with a Mitchell Stevens or an Anthony Richard somewhere in there, and that's fine. Mayshar is the one that I'm very intrigued in because I feel like if he hits what his ceiling can be at, what was it, 26th overall, the Habs are walking away from that first round laughing. Even if Slavkovsky isn't all the way to his ceiling, getting Mayshar and then obviously Lane Hudson, and we haven't even said Owen Beck once in this episode until now. Who I love as well, first... just as an aside, Owen Beck's great. I like him. We we love Owen Beck on this podcast. Those first four picks could be just home run after home run after home run, but that relies on development. I'm very interested to see him in Kitchener. Um, I know there aren't many Habs OHL prospects, if any. No, there's a few. There's Roar here and uh, Guindon, who I keep forgetting about because I uh, can only have yeah. so much space in my head. I'm very interested. <laughs> Mishak too, I think. I think Mishak he's old enough to go to the AHL. Uh, he'll be in the AHL next year, I believe. He's twenty. Okay. Um, so he'll likely be. Do- we'll see where he fits in there because, like you said, that COVID season was real tough on him through no fault of his own. It was either that or don't no. play. So, yeah. Um, I am glad you mentioned Arbor Jacki though, because coming up in our next segment, we're going to take a look at the Canadians' young defensive prospects and how they can improve on whatever the hell that defensive system was last year. And that's all coming up next. But first, today's show is also brought to you by betonline.net. They are the fastest and easiest way for all your betting needs. Get all your sports info all in one place. Podcasts, news, odds, lines, everything at BetOnline for Major League Baseball. The NFL season's right around the corner. Esports, golf, combat sports, everything is right there. They've got all your wagering info, including live in-game betting and more. So head to Bet Online today, or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening on site. Bet Online, where the game starts. So we are back. We are in our final segment out of our two-part episode with Sebastian High of Dauber Prospects. Now things get interesting because we've talked about all the fun people that the Canadians have added in the last um, draft and offseason so far. Now we're going to take a look kind of at a giant question mark in this organization, and that is their defense. It was not very good last year. 
It probably wasn't very good the year before, and they went to a Stanley Cup final very much on the back of Carey Price deciding I wanted to do this myself. They have a young defense. There's a lot of promising players in there. Uh, Obviously, Matthias Norlinder, if he recovers from his concussion and plays to the level he's capable of, we know that he's a very good offensive defenseman. But last year, we've seen the maturation of Caden Gooley in the WHL to the point that both Laura and I have looked at this and gone, we were very wrong about this draft pick when it started. But Justin Barron joined the fold in that trade for Arturi Lekkinen. Jordan Harris turned pro last year. And then they added Arbor Jacki last preseason, where a lot of us went, who the hell is this guy? Uh, and then he made a name or reputation, depending on which way you want to look at it, what's uh, <laughs> in Bulldogs in the OHL. My question for you is, out of all these young guys, besides Caden Gooley, who we're pinning a lot of hopes on, perhaps unfairly, how can they help, you know, fix this Canadian's defense? What can they do to actually modernize it and make it better besides not throw the puck off the glass and out for 60 minutes a night? Yeah, I think you, you hit already one of the major points right there is just not doing that one thing. But um, I, think, I think a big thing is, is I'm very curious to see just how these players develop in the next year and just see the impact that Adam Nicholas has on them. Like Adam Nicholas, for those who don't know, almost single-handedly turned the Chicago Steel into like a USHL powerhouse. Like he, he was the one that uh, turned like Sean Farrell and Sam Colangelo and who was the third? Uh, Coronado. Uh, Brandon Brisson. Brisson, that guy. Uh, and, and really from that class onwards, the Chicago Steel have been an absolute powerhouse in the USHL. And, and he's the one that that really like his fingerprints are all over that organization. And I'm very excited to see what he does with these defensemen, because a lot of these defensemen have terrific toolkits that are really exciting to to work with. Uh, For instance, uh, Justin Barron is such a smooth skater. Uh, He's one of the better skaters in the Habs organization. And I I think, look, look, I think the Lekkonen trade was a very, very rare win-win. Like, the Habs could not have signed Arturi Lekkonen to the contract that he signed in Colorado. And he took a discount to stay in Colorado, right? Like he, I believe it was a five year, four and a half million dollar contract, something around there. And uh, the Habs could not, could, would not be able to afford that, right? Like, like they would have had to trade his, his RFA rights in the off season uh, because the, like, look, looking at like the fact that Max Pacioretty was given away for free because of his, what, seven, $8 million cap hit. Um, you're not going to be able to get rid of an Armia or a Hoffman and get anything in return. And you're likely going to be have to, you're probably going to have to pay as well. But um, like where, where, I'm, where I'm going with that is, is just in, in, in saying that getting Baron in a second round pick for Lekkonen where they did is so, so good for this Habs future. It doesn't matter if the second round pick is in 2024. Uh, Justin Barron is a really interesting prospect. I, I was not too high on him in his, in his draft year, but he's progressed very nicely and I think he should spend this year in the AHL, personally. Uh, I, I still saw a lot of rough edges in his game. Like, look, he looks so smooth because of his skating ability. But a lot of, like, the defensive decision-making, uh, I, I, I really think an extra year in Laval would really, really help him out. And again, there's, there's no rush, right? Like, the Habs defensive core is going to be pretty in- interesting to watch, I think, uh, because there's also just a lot of possibilities of how it, it turns out to start the season right like what i what i have uh, written down here as like my my prediction is i think that's going to be a matheson and savard first pairing 
because I think that's actually a combination. No, no, Scott, I really think that, that, that those two complement <laughs> each other very, very well. So, no, Savard needs a puck mover. Like, if you put Edmonton and Savard together, that like I like Edmonton quite a bit in terms of that mold of defenseman. But if if that's your pairing, uh, oof, you're stuck in then your you own hope zone. You win the draft lottery, right? Like, like <laughs> yeah, like that 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 that's yeah, that would be painful. <laughs> Um, but but Matheson is a really good puck mover, and he struggles to clear the net front, and he struggles to really apply physical pressure behind the net, which are the, the two things that that Savard does pretty well. So like you, you put those together, and you got your first, you got a pairing. I guess it's the first pairing, but a apart pairing. from that, I'd like to see it's a pairing, right? It's it, a it, pairing. It's it's, it's a pairing, <laughs> um, and I'd like to see a pairing of uh, of Jordan Harris and Joel Edmondson. I think that'd be very interesting. It would really free up Harris to, to, to play a more offensive role because he has an interesting offensive toolkit, uh, which he just hasn't really been able to, to really show too much. Uh, he showed it a lot in his, in his uh, junior season in the NCAA, but as a, as a, as a, a senior, he was very much a defensive player, uh, like first and foremost uh, in, at, at Northeastern. And I think that if you put him with a guy like Edmondson, you really free him up to, to, to try things. And then I think the other pairing might might be like Caden Gooley and Chris Weidman, because why not? Um, they're and... the one, they're the only ones left. <laughs> I mean, not unless you want Madison Bowie I, in the NHL, there's a, which there's a chat. <laughs> or or Arbor Jackai. I would be really really interested to see Arbor. Look, okay, Jackai is really fun because I living in in, in Ottawa. I I went to like twenty five sixty sevens games last season because they had like a promotion and it was pretty cheap to go to the games. Uh, and I've watched, I, I watched Jack, I think three or four times. He spent half the time in the penalty box, but when he was on the ice, <laughs> which was again, <laughs> limited amount of time, but when he was on the ice, a really surprising amount of skill and intelligence and uh, really soft hands. Uh, he picked up impressive speed with a couple strides. Uh, and he, he had like three end to end rushes in those games, uh, that, and when that man gets going, like he's, he's, he's a bulldozer. Like, like you can't stop <laughs> that guy when he, when he picks up speed. And I don't think that's going to change at the NHL level. Like, like he, he, he's, he's big, he's big. <laughs> uh, and, uh, he just has like defensively very, very intelligent, uh, his defensive positioning is, is consistently sound. He applies pressure very well. In transition defense, uh, he suffocates play immediately. Uh, just very, very active uh, with the puck on his stick. Doesn't make hasty decisions uh, when he's under pressure. He usually makes a simple play rather than icing the puck. And I, I like him a lot, really. If he can, if he can learn to not take the useless penalties he was taking the entirety of last season, that's a very interesting prospect to me. Like, like genuinely, like a very, very interesting piece that I think could be an NHL contributor on a team as bad as the Habs this season again on any other team that wouldn't be the case but on this Canadians defense which is bad uh that could be interesting and I'm I'm mainly going to be curious to see just how Laval's defense shakes out this season because there are so many prospects like like the Laval defense is filled with prospects you got like like with I mean instead of just like the young players you're going to have like Two of them are going to be in Montreal. You have Jordan Harris, Caden Gooley, Arbor Jackai, Justin Barron, Matthias Norlander, Jenny Fairbrother, right? Like those are six young prospects that are going to likely play in Laval and Montreal. And on top of that, in Laval, you have Otto Leskinen and Madison Bowie. Like that's a very interesting defense. And 
I'm curious to see just how much uh, minutes, like how many minutes the young players are going to get because it's a very interesting construction. And my my expectation for next season is because the Habs are going to be t- are going to be really really bad. You're going to see a lot of young players get moved down to the AHL and then just to give everyone a tryout, right? I think I think Norlander, Baron, Jacki, Gooley, and Harris are all going to see NHL minutes this season. I think some of them are going to be like maybe two or three games, but I think all of them are going to get a chance and that the Habs are really just going to want to see where do, are, are these players thriving for their own development? Not like where are they going to contribute the most? Because again, with the Habs, it doesn't matter this season. Like, like they're not going to push for any type of playoff spot. And I'd be very curious to see which players actually stick in the NHL because as much as I love Caden Gooley and this season and Ed, like, him being traded to the Edmonton Oil Kings is the best thing that could have ever happened to his development. Like he was terrific, like genuinely a top three WHL defenseman last season. And as a massive, like Olin Zellweger fan that that's saying something. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if you have like Arbor Jack in the NHL at one point and Caden Gooley in the AHL for an extended period of time. Uh, but yeah, I think the defense is a really interesting thing to look at this season because it's all wild cards. The forward, the f- forward um, groups, like I, I think, it's pretty clear. Like, like who's going to be where? I think Slavkovsky is the only big question of where he starts. But apart from that, you know how it's going to shake out. We got a lot of forwards under under contract that are going to have to get NHL minutes. Uh, but the defense is where you just have all these wild cards. And I think training camps can be very, very interesting to see how these defensemen perform, and maybe even seeing if there are some like professional tryouts because. I know the Habs wanted to add another like veteran presence to the defensive core. Uh, and I'd be curious to see how that affects this whole race, because if they do have that kind of professional tryout and you still have two young defensemen start the season in Montreal, you know that the Habs really, really trust them with that. Not because the season's important, but because they think it really is genuinely the best thing for their own development to play in Montreal. And I think that would be a very, very big stamp of approval for their games. It is wild to me that I'm glad the rookie tournament is in Buffalo so I can actually go watch and I can actually see more in person because I I, I actually have the elite prospects page pulled up here. And for defense in Laval, not counting the people that they think are going to be in the NHL, Madison Bowie, Santino Santorame, Torridello, Gianni Fairbrother, Oliver Gallopo, Alex Green, Otto Leskin, and Matthias Norlander, Corey Schooneman, and Arbor Jack. And we know they like Corey Schooneman. We know they're going to give all these guys that have had slight NHL shots probably another chance in camp. The competition's good. It doesn't allow veterans to hold their spot, and it allows the kids to, like, hey, prove it. And then I look at the forward group in Laval, too. The oldest guy is 31 years old, and he's on an AHL contract. It's a lot of – there's a lot of, you know, Habs, Names, Nexus, people they've drafted or signed entry-level deals, not counting AHL deals, guys like Ryan Francis – it, it's going to be a really interesting season. Like you said, there's going to be guys going up and there's guys going to be going down. Caulfield went down to the AHL last year. and Michael Pizzetta stayed in the NHL all of last year to the shock of yeah. a lot of people. Everyone. And I love Pez, but <laughs> if you told me he was going to be an NHL player, I would have thought you were out of your damn mind. But it's going to be a very interesting year. And unfortunately... We will have to have you back on to go over things maybe at any point in the season uh, as things develop. Do you want to tell our folks where they can find you on social, where they can find your work and everything, Sebastian? 
Yeah, for sure. I, I think the, the easiest place to find me is just on Twitter. I'm very active on Twitter. Uh, so hi underscore Sebastian. Everything I do is posted on Twitter. Uh, all my like links and things that I do are also in my, my, in my bio. Um, uh, you can find my work at Dubber Prospects, uh, where I am the, the OHL scout for this season, which I'm very excited for. Uh, and uh, apart from that, I also have a Substack. So if you have a free like five or six hours, you're welcome to, to read my top 100 article of my <laughs> my top 100 prospects from last draft only like twenty three thousand words it was a little thing that don't, totally didn't take me like a full week to write um but th those are the main things and i also have a podcast with some friends uh it's called the puck and roll podcast you can find that uh on on twitter at pack at puck on, and roll it's in my bio just just find me on twitter and everything's <laughs> in there right just like everything easier that way everything's in my bio everything i write i post on twitter uh, so just, just Twitter is fine. <laughs> uh, and as always, you can follow the show at LO underscore Canadians, Locked On Canadians on YouTube. Uh, you can follow Laura at The Active Stick. You can follow myself at Scott Matla. And I forgot to mention this during the show because I didn't want to self-promote. Our next episode is our Friday mailbag. So please tweet us or send us your questions. You can also send them to LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. And when you're done checking us out, please check out Lockdown NHL where all of our local experts have you prepped through the offseason and so much more. Thank you, everybody. And we will see you all next time.